Let's open the word of the Lord a moment to Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. It's a good testimony. We, we need to be comforted knowing that God is with our children. And, you know, even, even uh, when they're going through their growth spurts and when they're going through their decision-making processes, uh, you know, sometimes they go through an insane phase. Uh, uh, it's, it's hard to transition to adulthood. It really is. Because you suddenly have a lot of power in your hand, and you don't know what to do with it. And, and then you want to do it your way. So sometimes they stumble against walls, uh, they fall, and you've got to help them to get back up again. And sometimes you just have to let God do it. Yeah, sometimes you can't get in the way. You have to let God do it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for your wisdom. Dear Holy Spirit, uh, you are so awesome, and we thank you for the privilege of your presence. Thank you that you live in us, and you grant us daily wisdom for life, daily wisdom, uh, Lord, for ministry, for business, uh, daily wisdom for personal issues. Thank you. Thank you for directing our steps. And so today, as we read your word, we pray that you enlighten us, open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might be able to comprehend the things of God the kingdom of God, that we might be able to see ourselves and our place in the kingdom. Uh, Help us, Lord God. Open up the eyes of our understanding, uh, Lord, that we might ride above the winds of change and above the winds of crisis, and that we might see clearly, that we might be even as the sons of Issachar, knowing the times and the seasons in which we live. Help us, Lord God, and, and clear our minds, my Father, from everything that we've had to deal with throughout the summer, all the issues, the things that we've heard, Uh, the crises that we've been through. Give us clarity of mind, I pray. We'll give you the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Matthew 16, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but then I'm also going to read verse 23 from uh, the Living Bible because it's just uh, something I want to highlight. So beginning from uh, the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. Then Peter took him aside, Jesus and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. When Jesus told him he had to go to the cross, he had to die for the sins of mankind, Peter didn't understand it. And Peter was motivated to say this to him. It almost sounds altruistic. It almost sounds like this is the right thing. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you suffer. Wouldn't that be something like a friend would tell you? But look how Jesus responds. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Wow. Imagine your friend talking to you that way. You try to help them from, you know, getting trouble or something like that, and they respond, get thee behind me, Satan, and then to call you Satan. That's an insult. Listen, Jesus knew what he was talking about because the motivation that moment behind Peter was Satan himself. Because truly he doesn't understand the things of God. And Jesus had to go to the cross. Peter didn't understand that. No one understood it at that point. But he wanted to make a point and he had it written in scripture for all of us to read it. And the New Living uh, Bible says it this way. The Living Bible rather. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're a dangerous trap. 
When the enemy tries to get you away from the things of God, he'll use things that seem normal to you, people that are close to you, circumstances that you live in that are familiar to you to try to create a trap within that context so that you will get away from the things of God. But since Jesus was instantly discerning, he he was sharp in the spirit, he knew exactly where that was coming from, he stopped it right away. God is saying we need to get that sharp too. Because there's so many things around us that we're not careful, we'll get caught up. And by the time we realize, it's almost like that, the young man, he says, okay, um, I'll call her now after I go to Facebook. 20 minutes later, he gets back to this issue, right? But sometimes for us, two months, three months, four months later, we realize, oh my God, I allowed the enemy to fool me on this. And I've been caught up in this nonsense. I should have never got into this. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You're a dangerous trap to me. Then he said this in the New Living. It says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And this is our issue. When we don't pray, people, when we don't see God, the only thing that we see is the natural. Non-Christian, or rather non-praying Christians are people that don't see in the spirit realm. They don't understand the things of God. So you're only going to discern from a human vantage point. We need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to prayer. We've been buffeted so much in life that it's hard to even to get to church. We hardly have any prayer life anymore. We hardly have any study life anymore. I'm, I'm talking about study of the Scriptures. Everything we do is, is consumed. Uh, now, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to ask this question, but don't answer. It's just a quiet reflection. Do you spend more time on Facebook than you spend in the Word of God? And the answer probably for most Christians are yes, they spend more time in Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social mechanisms there are today. And it's, it's by design. They want you there. They want you to live there. They want to control every decision you make. I don't know if you notice, even on YouTube, sometimes I want to see something on YouTube because they don't have it on regular TV or something like that or um, a particular bit of uh, information or, or some sports thing that I want to see. I'll go to YouTube because somebody will upload it invariably and I'll be able to get it right on YouTube. Now, before I can see the stuff I want to see, I have to go through a commercial or two. They're getting you wherever you're at. And, and I don't know, what do you think a commercial is? It's a subliminal thing. Go buy this. Do you need it? Most likely not. But they will force you. I, I listen to 1010WINS on, on, um, on my phone. Because I don't have a radio most of the time. So I like to listen to sports. I like to listen to weather. And I have one thing that has become insidious to me. One thing that upsets me so much that every time the commercial comes on, I turn it off. Okay? And I don't know if you listen to 1010 on your phone. But if you do, you'll know what I'm talking about. Every second commercial, and they always give commercials, every second one is 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. K-A-S-I-CARS-FOR-KIDS. 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Donate your car today. You hear that 10,000 times, you're going to flip your wig. 
you're going to lose it. I, I want to throw the phone, you know, you know down the, the garbage chute because it just gets me tired. But, you know, I'm singing it. I'm singing it to you. That's how it gets. That's how deep it gets in you. That's what they want. And they're masters at this stuff. But the point is, this goes deeper. This is where the enemy wants us. He wants us so flooded with stuff, with junk, with lies or half-truths, which is a whole lie, that we won't see the truth. It's hard to serve God with a cluttered mind. It's hard to serve God when you're so overwhelmed. It's hard to read the Bible when you're so automatically predisposed to, to, to do three, four hours of gaming. Yes, sir, I will. Of, of, of listening to Facebook or YouTube or television or whatever it may be. If you're spending that much time, you are misaligned. If you're spending that much time in these social mediums, you're out of sync. You're out of order. One multimillionaire one time was given a seminar, and uh, it really encouraged me. He said this. He says, I'm a millionaire today, but I was not a millionaire several years ago. The reason I'm a millionaire today is because I looked at my life. I saw where I was wasting much of my time, and I stopped doing those things that caused me to waste my time. So after work, I started writing. Where was the time I started writing? Between the hours of 5 to 10, prime time. He called it prime time. That's where I started writing my books. That's where I started writing my seminars. That's where I started reading. I started reading on other millionaires, what they did, what, are, what were their habits. So instead of watching TV, I read a book. Instead of watching TV, I started writing books. I started writing seminars. And what he did was, several years later, he marketed all that, and he was able to become a multimillionaire. And he says, what do I do today? I still write during prime time. I don't have much time for TV. I don't. Some people, if they don't watch TV, they're going to die, or they feel they're going to die. Listen, this is just a habit. And it's on purpose. They want you in that world, because if they get you in that world, they can market to you. They can control you. They can control your economy. But it goes deeper than that for the Christian. Because if we're doing that, we're not studying the word. We're not evangelizing. We're not discipling. We're not taking some time out to disciple others. It's not enough to just come to church every once in a while. You have to actively uh, be Jesus to somebody. You, you have to be Jesus' rep to somebody. Whether it is preaching or teaching or having a small group in your home or whether doing something in the church or whether missions work. Whatever it may be, whatever God puts you, or, or going to a school you know, some, some people, God will send them as a missionary to this local school. And you go and talk to the teachers. What do you need? Do you need some books? Do you need some pencils? Our church wants to donate stuff to, to this school. How can we help you? How can Calvary Christian Fellowship help you? Oh, it's not my job. That's the pastor's job. No, it's your job. Stop trying to make me do everything. I'm not going to do it. I was raised up in a church where the pastor rode the, drove the bus. He preached all the messages, he, he baptized them, he married them all, and he buried them all. He did everything. He was the man of God. Yeah, and people had no problem. You know, oh, no, that's pastor's responsibility, that's not mine. They would just show up to church and fight over their pews, fight over their, you know, their chairs. Yeah, don't, don't, go, don't, don't go too uh, crazy with that, because let me tell you, I just read yesterday that somebody died. 
because of a chair in church. Just yesterday, I heard that on the news. One guy got upset because he was challenged to go to the church. So when the service finished, he went out and he shot the guy that told him, you know, he can't be in the church, uh, that particular seat. So you better watch out what chair you're sitting in. <laughs> I'm serious, but people, they, they, they just go crazy. No, we have to be active in the kingdom of God, but it's almost impossible if all we see is the human point of view. And the enemy will always try to get us there. He tried to do it to Jesus. But Jesus was able to discern it right away. He says, you're a dangerous trap. And today, the Lord is saying, remember, he did it to me, or he tried. He's going to try to do it to you. And he's going to try to get you in that trap. Praise God. Matthew 16, verse 26. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What profit is it? You've got the best homes, you've got the best cars, you're the most famous, you've got the great name, but you lose your soul. Let me tell you, the Bible says every man, every woman shall bow the knee before Jesus and confess Jesus as Lord. It's either going to be in blessing or it's going to be in judgment. And the thing is, one second after you leave your body, one second after you go to the presence of God, you'll know this. Every man, every woman will present themselves before God. And I know I'm going to get no amens on this. But I'd rather, when it's my time to go before Jesus, to bow before him and say, here, my little brother, come with me to the Father. I'd rather hear that. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't care how many times I beat the game, the game you think. That is not going to have any impact in the spirit realm. It's not going to have any impact. Remember when those young men were going out casting devils in the name of Jesus that Paul preached? The sons of Sceva. That's right. Seven sons of Sceva started imitating the apostle Paul. Because the apostle Paul, when he cast out a devil, the devil would flee. So they said, oh, let's do that too. So they went to this demon-possessed person. They said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon said, we know Jesus. We know Paul, but who are you? In other words, they were not recognized in the spirit realm. They had no authority. They had no power. And, and that enemy overtook them. They had to run away naked or beat up. Let me tell you, the enemy knows who we are. He knows the anointing on, on us. I, I remember going through the streets and every once in a while you'll see a drunk man or someone. They'll come to me and they'll, they'll, they'll start dancing or mimicking Christianity. And, and meanwhile, I don't say anything. I'm in a regular shirt. I, I don't have a Bible on. But they recognize the spirit I come from. One time I think uh, um, one of these Santeria people says, Ooh, I, I see you got a light around you. I said, shut up. I don't need you to tell me I got a light on me. I know exactly who I serve and I know exactly the spirit of God that's in me. Get thee behind me. Don't impress me with those, those things. Praise God. We have to understand we're kingdom authority. We, we are authorized in the kingdom of God. We're authorized in this realm. That's why he's trying to take your mind away from the kingdom of God, away from prayer, away from the study of the scripture, away from a dedication to God. See, God wants to talk to us personally. He wants to minister to us. This morning's message, Dr. Cameron said this. You don't need the Bible to hear God. Or to know God, but you need to know God to read the Bible, or something like that. So, but, right? He says something like that, right? But in other words, the people of the New Testament who wrote the New Testament only had the Old Testament. 
But yet they wrote the New Testament. Why? Because God spoke to them about the New Testament. So God could reveal to you things about your life, your circumstances, your situation in a dream. He can talk to you by his Holy Spirit. He can talk to you in circumstances and situations. He can give you direction. He could send your son to Florida. Yeah, he could do all those things. My sister, I had a situation a little similar. I was going through a crisis, right? And I go on vacation. So I go to Bermuda. So my wife and Kathy, they go to the stores. and No, no, wrong. They went through this train that takes it through the city. And so I said, I'm just going to go to the Bible store. I like going to the Bible store. Um, I like inputs. I like to buy books. So I went there. And I'm just looking at the books, and I'm enjoying uh, uh, the scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying Bermuda, nice, 75 degrees, sunny. And it's beautiful. Suddenly, this tall gentleman comes, another tall gentleman, comes up to me. He didn't have a beard, though. <laughs> and he says, the Spirit of the Lord says this to you. And he started prophesying to me right there. I'm on vacation. I don't need nobody prophesying to me on vacation. Yes, I did. And it was the right word. And he spoke to me about what I was going through in the city of New York, about what was happening in our church at the very time. And then God gave me instruction and, and told me, this is, these things are going to happen, but don't worry, he's with you. He's going to take care of this and this and that. And I'm saying, glory to God. I'm in Bermuda. I'm, in, I'm talking in tongues, and I'm, I'm rejoicing in God. And I'm on vacation. God doesn't go on vacation. Praise God. But you need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. You need to be listening in order to be able to hear. He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. When God sends out a word, you could, you could see that in the parable of the sower, in the book of Mark chapter 4. He, he spoke the parable. He said that the sower went and sowed the seed. Later on, when he described it or explained it to the disciples, he said the seed that the sower or the farmer sowed is the word of God. Right? And, he, and it's sowed in, the, in ground, in the heart. The first one, it fell on a footpath that represents those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. And here's the key. The enemy can't take away from you what you understand. But if you don't understand what's being spoken to you, the enemy can come and snatch it away. That's how come it's important. You know, when you see me there or you see me in other places and I'm hearing the word, I'm hearing a preacher, I'm writing things down. Because I want to understand what's being preached to me. Because if I can understand it, the enemy can't take it away from me. So I'm talking to you today. I'm not talking to those on the other side, on that other church somewhere. When you're in church and you're hearing the word, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for revelation. Start writing some stuff down. You know, I'm going to say something that will impact you this very moment, and you'll forget it in half hour. Unless you write it down. I've got probably several thousand pages of paper. And I, I've referred to them every once in a while. And, and the truths, because I wrote it down and I asked God to help me to remember it, it stays in my spirit. Twenty years later, I still have things that, that were spoken to me in a church service. I still remember them. Why? Because I sought to understand them. Because if I can understand it, the enemy cannot take it away. Hallelujah. How many of you want wisdom of God? Amen. Amen. Well, then you have to desire it like gold. You cannot casually handle the things of God. In the Old Testament, somebody handled 
uh, the ark of God, he was killed right in the moment, right at that moment. Bam. He tried to handle the ark of God. He sees the ark being moved, a guy named Uzzah. He grabs the ark of God casually, and right there he lost his life. You don't handle God's things casually. You have to come to them, to come to it prayerfully. You have to come with honor, with dignity. I mean, you would not handle the president's stuff casually. You wouldn't. If, if the president showed up right now, we wouldn't have, yo, what's up, Obama? Yo, what's up, man? Good afternoon, sir. Come on and welcome. Welcome to this house. It's a pleasure to have you here. You know, you, you treat them with honor. Why? Why? Because the office demands it. Period. You understand? Now, how much more the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You, you understand? We've gotten casual with the presence of God. We've gotten casual with the things of God. We've got to, once again, get back to the point where we're reverent of the things of God. Reverent, you know, of, 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 the, of, of His honor, of His glory. We carry His glory. We carry His grace. Amen? So when you're going to the Word, you go to God as your Heavenly Father. I love you. He's your Father. He's your Abba. He's your Daddy. But you, you honor Him for the for, for his most high title, for what he's done for us. Thank you for your word. You can't separate the word from God himself because God and his word are one. So when we go to the word, we're, we're going to God. So we have to honor the word, memorize it, love it, cherish it, appreciate it because the word reveals to you things in the spirit realm. It gives you authority when you speak. See, God will only honor his word. You can desire stuff and not get it. But yet you speak the word, it'll happen. Because it's the word. He honors the word. Signs and wonders follow the word. Signs and wonders won't follow tears. Signs and wonders won't follow emotion. Signs and wonders will always follow the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, when we, when we understand this, and we understand this parable, we'll realize, oh my God, we've been handling stuff wrong. The seed that fell among thorns represent those that hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. That's what the enemy wants. He, he doesn't care that you sit in the church. It doesn't bother him. But the minute you start producing fruit, that's when he's going to come at you. And I don't want to lie to you. I'm telling you that when you start producing fruit in the kingdom of God, when you start testifying, when you start preaching, when you start uh, doing Sunday school, when you start helping somebody else, when you start inviting people, even something like taking a card and inviting your friend to church, he's going to come after you. He's going to come after you because he doesn't want you to bear fruit. He wants you to get to that place which is the lure of wealth and the worries of the, the world crowd you out so much so that no fruit is produced. And what is God glorified with? Much fruit. And what is fruit? Well, what is fruit? What is fruit? It's a question. Don't talk at the same time. Come on. It's confusing. 
nourishment, something that has seeds. Very powerful. That's very powerful. But yeah, it's nourishment, right? And it's produced from a tree. And it's something the tree gives for life. It's something God, that God set here on earth. And once the tree starts producing fruit, it'll start producing it every season, right? Just as long as it's taken care of, right? One time Jesus went to a tree and it had no fruit. And what did he, what did he do to the tree? He cursed the tree because the tree was showing off because it had a lot of leaves. It looked like it's ready to bear fruit. It, it was supposed to bear fruit, right? But apparently it wasn't a season or something like that. And Jesus taught his disciples a truth about that. So he cursed the tree, and the tree dry, dried up. But the thing is, God is looking for fruit. What is fruit in the Spirit? It's when we bear love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience, right? And, and, and that's Galatians chapter 5. You can read it yourself. There, there are nine, at least nine different type of fruit there. And what does love impel us to do? What does joy impel us to do? What does peace impel us to do? And guess what happens? When you start manifesting the fruit, others will be able to taste of it. Others will be able to be nourished by it. Others will receive the seed of it and it'll bear life in their, in their hearts. Amen. Praise God. So, does the world need love right now? Like never before. We need some love. We need some forgiveness. And I can't forgive in the natural. It's just too painful. There are too many things that are happening. Yesterday I was called to pray. Um, uh, my, my, my brother in Christ, brother uh, Pastor Demas Salabarius, prayed for the victims who have been murdered by police or killed by police. I'm not saying murdered. I'm saying killed because, you know, uh, some were, yes, some weren't. Uh, but there's a big thing there. You, we all know. But he had to pray for that part. Then I had to pray for the police that were killed. So both of us had to deal with the pain over our nation from different vantage points. Because there are families of police officers that are mourning right now. And there are families of civilians that are mourning right now. So do we need forgiveness? Do we need love? Like never before. And the church has to be there in the forefront to help to bring healing healing, to, to restore righteousness. And I say, and that part of our prayer should be expose those that are perpetrating the evil so that those that are innocent can be at peace. Because in every sector, you have people that are guilty and you have others that are innocent. But the enemy wants us so positioned in hate here in this nation that we will what? Not hear God. got us pretty much where he wants. This nation is not hearing God. If a nation is divided, what happened? It cannot stand. And so if we can get it one by one by one, and then we could start sharing it with others, we could start turning this tide around. I believe that, and this is just my assessment of it, that we're coming into a time, this nation is coming into a time of mourning, of, of challenges, of deep processes, and it could happen as, as, as early as the end of this month, challenges, uh, an increase of, of crises that are going to bring us to our knees, and that's exactly where we need to be. Now, I'm not talking about our knees in terms of 
of, of, of failure. I'm talking about knees calling out to God. Remember 9-11 when it first happened? Today, yeah, no, I was going to say. Today, we're remembering what happened. That Sunday after 9-11, the churches were packed. Why? What's the difference? Because that situation made us realize, oh my God, the very things we trust are now gone. We, we, we thought our borders were secure. We thought this would... We know it happens over there, but my God, it happened here, right? I lost somebody personal that I knew. I got caught up on those upper floors. And the wife, she, she was one of the ones that testified in, in the Madison Square Garden event that we had to just pray for our nation after that. I was with the, with the pastors when we went into 9-11 to just observe that scenario. And it was, it was devastating to me. It was devastating. But that Sunday, all the churches were full. Because in our heart of hearts, we know that only God can handle some stuff. Hallelujah. And we're about ready in that place. Any single thing could tip this nation off. Any single thing, whether it be mechanical, whether it be electrical, whether it be social, whether it be governmental, whether it be financial, anything could tip this nation off. So here's what I say to you this moment. Uh, beside praying and get, get with God every day. What did Jesus say about prayer? When you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. See? The prayer is daily. The requests are daily. Reaching out for your family, daily. Ministering to your com community, daily. It's not just once every Wednesday. And I know I see all of you on Wednesday, so I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You all show up, every single one of you on Wednesday. So I just love that. But it's not supposed to be only Wednesday. Why are you laughing? No, we do. We, every single Wednesday, we do have a group that are here. We're, we're covering everybody, and, and I appreciate that. But the first thing is, yes, prayer. But this is what I recommend. I recommend that you start thinking as a resource. Start thinking of yourself as a resource. Don't wait for the crisis for you to just, oh, we got to get this, we got to get this. No, you blew it. If the crisis comes and you're not ready, forget about it. You're going to go through a crisis. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. Start understanding the times and the seasons that we're in. What happens, let me put it this way. What happens if another Katrina shows up? What happens if there's an earthquake? God forbid. Where are we going to get the food? The, the, the um, trucks, they'll stop coming to our cities. Cities immediately will come very dangerous places. So how can we become a resource? That's one of the questions you ask me, right? How can we become a resource? Well, what do we need? Food, water, pantries. Something as simple as that could be so powerful for you and your family, for you and your neighbors. You could be the love of God to somebody during a crisis. So I say, be wise. Be like the, the five wise virgins. There were ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish, the Bible says. The ones that were foolish never prepared. The ones that were wise, they prepared. So when the situation happened, they had more than enough oil to get to the place to meet their master. 
The ones they didn't have, they asked the ones, oh, could you help us? No, we need this for us and our families to get to the place. And so what happened? They were left up the stream without a paddle. So I'm saying, right now, we're not in the place of crisis. We're okay. So let's prepare. I put away a little extra water, a little extra rice, some dry milk. You never had dry milk, right? What do you mean, yuck? There was one point in my life where my dad would only buy dry milk. It's good because if you want more heavy milk, you put a little less water. If you, want, if you don't mind agua de piringa, if you don't want that, like, like the, you put a little more water so it can last a little longer. Hey, you still live. I'm just saying. <laughs> so that's one way we could be a resource. Another thing, and I can't stress this enough, why do you have to believe the lies of MasterCard? Oh, 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 I think I stepped on a... I look at your face and some of you, I stepped on your corn or something like that. Why do you believe those lies? It's not your money. And the second you take the loan, you already got to pay about 14 to 28%. They're thieves with one of these on them. They're legal thieves. In the scripture, it's called usury. One of, the, one of the fathers of old had to rebuke old Israel because when the enemy had come and they were building the wall, some of them, some of the, the, the Jewish leaders went to the wall to build. And they had to not pay their bills in order to help Israel be safe. And some of the bankers and some of those would give them loans with high interest rates. And so Nehemiah says, I rebuke you. You stop that nonsense. Don't charge those people interest. They're saving our nation by being on that wall so they cannot work here. And you guys are going to charge them usury? High interest rates? But yet our nation allows that. Some of you right now, you have a beautiful education. And you have loans up here. It's going to take you 40 years to pay it. Because they lie to it. And, and then the worst thing about it is I don't know how they were able to do this, but some of these loans are the only ones that you can't default on. They made a sweet deal that if you go bankrupt, you still have to pay that loan. That's evil. God's going to visit this nation for that. And he's going to visit those institutions for that. So if you have those loans, you know, you'll pay them back. And I pray that God... Give, I'm actually praying that God would create a process where these loans can be retrofitted so they could be more affordable and so that uh, the, the, the loans would go down. I'm praying for that every day that God would break the back of the, these lying, conniving... I'm not liking them too much right now. Sorry, sorry, sir. It's righteous indignation. Hallelujah. After hearing Dr. Cameron this morning, you know. <laughs> but think about it. How bad we've gotten in this nation. But what can we do? Stop overspending. You know why? You want to be a resource. Every millionaire knows this. You spend less and you invest. You spend less and you invest. And you increase the Bible said in the book of Proverbs, uh, uh, save little by little and you will have increase. 
Our fathers were right all along. Don't overspend. I remember my dad would always tell me, oh, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. Parents never know what they're talking about until you get older. Then you realize they knew what they were talking about all along. There's some good habits that we need to embrace today. Be wise. Wise in this day. I know I'm not going to get many amens and probably you won't even say God bless you at the end of the service to me. But I've got to say this to you. If I don't say it, who's going to say it? You're not going to get this from MasterCard commercials, from Citibank commercials, from none of these banks because they're in it for... Well, yeah, some of them are very greedy, but for gain. They're in it for gain. They're not in it for your benefit. They'll show you pictures. You know, these commercials from... They, they, I hate these, these commercials, especially the big pharma commercials. I mean, if it were up to them, I'd be taking a needle every day because there's medication for everything today. I'm serious. And then when you hear the commercial, you, you're seeing a, 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 a nice commercial of a woman with her daughter and they're playing, they're skipping to Malou. You know, they're having, they're having fun and it's blue skies. Take this, because they're all crazy names. And you take that, it'll help you. And uh, then they start talking to you. Apparently, some, some congressman created a law that you now have to reveal what can actually happen to you when you take this nonsense. No. Right. Well, thank God I can DVD the thing and I can listen to it over and over and remind myself why I don't want to take that thing. But, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, it can help you here, help you there. Uh, side effects. And there's, you know, your head can fall off, your, your tongue will turn purple, both of your ears will turn two times the size. I mean, I don't know. It's just the most insane things. And then watch this. Watch this. About two months to three months later... You now have the lawyers saying, if you took Zarelto or you took this and this and that, you know, we, you might have a case if one of your family members died. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a cash cow. So they'll make 40 billions on the medicine. Then they'll put aside $50 million to pay people that will sue. So instead of making 40 billion, they made 35.5 billion. It's genius but it's evil. It's evil. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we have, well, you have to wake up. Did, did you ever see that, um, what's the name of that movie? Um, where you said take the red pill or the, the Matrix. Matrix, there you go, Matrix. Uh, ah, you saw the movie, all right. I like that part. He says, now, he says, you take this pill, you're going to see how, how deep the rabbit hole goes. Right? And, it, you know, that, that movie had a very interesting premise to it. And so I'm saying we've got to take the pill so that we wake up. <laughs> Reality, because fantasy, man, it's taking us to a place. And then to top it off, you start believing some of this nonsense. Don't be sneezing during my message, okay? <laughs> you should have held that to, you know, we say amen. <laughs> You're excused. God bless you. Gesundheit. Dios te bendiga, mi hija. Praise God. But people, you know, the word of God is very clear about this. We have to open up the eyes uh, or ask God to open up the eyes of our understanding in this day. Because too many things are happening. And they're coming at a pace, 100 miles an hour, one after another, one after another. And it's vexing. And that's one of the ways the enemy torments us. He vexes us. And the word vex means come at you by all, in all angles. So you don't have a way of escape. 
He's trying to vex us, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said, get thee behind me or get away from me. He said, we can say the same thing because the spirit of Jesus dwells in us. Hallelujah. So when we say, get thee behind me, he has to obey. See, we need to get to the point where we're saying, God, thank you today for your wisdom. Remember, you have to pray daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Part of the daily bread is not just food. It's the roof over your head. It's the job that you have. It's wisdom for the day. Every day, people, I ask God for wisdom. Father, thank you for wisdom. I believe I received the wisdom I need for today. Give me strategy for my life personally. Give me strategy for my children. Give me strategy for my wife. Give me strategy for Calvary Christian Fellowship. Give me strategy where I work. And guess what? Then I receive it. See? Because the Bible says you ask and you receive. Don't doubt. Ask. Know that God is going to give you that which you need for the day. Hallelujah. Every day. Thank you, God, for wisdom. I even thank God for relationships, for grace. I ask God every day for grace and favor because I'm not that good. Yeah, I need grace and favor. I need grace and favor for my supervisors. And some of you, God, know some of you need some great grace and favor with your supervisors. You don't need grace and favor. You need great grace and favor. <laughs> Praise God. So you ask God for that. He'll give it to you. The Bible says he'll lavish it upon you. He'll give it to you liberally. That word liberal in the original context. He'll lavish upon you more than enough. He does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. The word exceeding abundantly comes from a Greek word, hooperbalo, which means he throws far beyond the very thing you need. You establish the, 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 the line. God, I need this. I ask for this. Then he throws far beyond all that you need. And it says above what you ask or even think. So if you're thinking about it, he's already throwing far beyond all that you could think about. He doesn't give you what you want. He'll give you much more than what you need. Above all that you can ask or think. Which means we have to ask for it. Ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. You know who understands that? Business people understand that. How many times has McDonald's asked you to buy their burger? No, I'm, I'm just asking. Every three minutes. You're probably right. Because everywhere I go, Every store I go to invariably has a McDonald's sticker, logo, commercial, picture, video. Somewhere along the line, it's going to be asking me to buy those B-level burgers. They're not A-level, they're B-level. Right? Why do we buy it? It's because they constantly ask us to buy it. Do they need our money? They're billionaires. But they know the secret. Keep on asking, you keep on getting. And yet God gives us the principle in Scripture, and we don't ask. Oh, I don't want to ask because I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm humble. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to ask. What do you mean you're not worthy? God is saying, that's the pattern. Ask and I'll give. That's the pipeline, people. In prayer, you ask and you receive. And then God starts giving you the favor, the wisdom, the ideas. He might not give you the thing, but he'll give you the wisdom to get the thing. Hallelujah. 
I think, I think some minds are starting to open up right now. I think you're starting to get this thing. You have to be aggressive in the spirit this day. You have to start seeking with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your body today. It's not enough to do this casually. You have to be full service Christian today. You have to be a powerful Christian today. Because the world needs you. Hallelujah. It's not, not this half-baked thing. I have to be all in it. You have to be in it too. It's, that's not in the scripture, but it, it, makes, it makes sense. <laughs> Glory to God. And I'm excited about today because I know that the grace of God is being poured out. Because wherever great sin abounds, great grace does more abound. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So we have to be familiar today with what the, the enemy is doing. How? Why? To defeat it. To help our people. It's not just about me. Christianity is not just about me. Jesus didn't die for him. Jesus died for the world. So our living for Christ here is not just about me. Oh man, I went to church. It was awesome. We had awesome worship. We were jumping all over the place. I got so blessed. Okay, what are you going to do with it now? What are you going to do with it now? Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The tricks, the wiles, the schemes, the methodius, the Greek word methodius of the devil. Don't let yourself be deceived anymore. Stand up, be vigilant, the Bible says. Be sober, be vigilant. For the enemy is like, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He's not a roaring lion, but he's like a roaring lion. And he's seeking who he can. He can't devour just anybody. He can't devour a Christian that knows his word. A Christian that's not deceived. A Christian that's not allowing you know, life's subtleties or life's uh, vicissitudes uh, to bring you down to the point where you're confused or you're so packed with stuff that you have no time to seek God. Say to your neighbor, it's time to seek God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm about ready to release you, but I want you to consider several things. Number one, how is your relationship with God? That's important. You have to be in Christ. The Bible says when we come to Christ, he receives us as sons and daughters. We're all creations of God, but we're not all sons of God. In John chapter 1, it says he gives us the power. John 1.14, he gives us the power to become sons of God in Christ. When you come, in, when you come to Christ, picture it this way. In heaven, there's a court system. Some of you have heard this, but if you haven't, it'll be uh, more clear to you. There's a court system. Who's the judge? The just judge, the father. And he sits there and he listens to the case. There's two attorneys. One is Jesus. He is our attorney. And one is the devil. He's the prosecuting attorney. He's always the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his titles. And, and Jesus is the one that comes on our behalf, Right? So the enemy comes as the prosecuting attorney and starts creating the case. He did this, he did that, she did this, she did that. And he knows. He comes with truth. You can't come to the court of heaven with a lie. 
You can only come with the truth. So he'll use the truth against you. You did this, you did that, you did the other. Absolutely right. And you know, guess what? The father will say, that is true. I know that to be true. Then Jesus comes. He says, Father, that person received me. I forgave him of all his sin. On the cross, I cleansed all of his sin. All of these things that he did, it's no longer him. The old man is dead. It's a new creation in Christ. All old things are gone. Everything is brand new. So he received me. So now, because of that, there is this new law that says that whoever comes to him, we don't cast them out. Whoever comes to him, he forgives the sin, he delivers them, sets them free, and he is now part of the family of God. And then the, the just judge looks at the case, listens to both sides, he, re- he takes the gavel, hits the desk, he says, I render him not guilty. Why? Because he sees Jesus in him. And in this court, they don't hide the sin. They expunge the sin. They get rid of it. It's gone. It no longer, it's, it's like they use the bleach bit. For those of you that are listening to politics. Bleach bit is something where you could go in very expensive and get rid of all of your emails and it's so uh, deleted that you can never get it back. Well, in the court of heaven, the best bleach bit up there. In other words, God himself expunges it, gets rid of your past. He he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and when he sees you, he sees you just like Jesus. Wow. Wow. So those that are in Christ Jesus are brand new, born again. You can go to the Father as a son, as a daughter, with total confidence because they're the ones that ratified that in the heavenly court. So the prosecuting attorney, he says, oh, I lost another one. He has no other recourse. In Christ, we're brand new Christians. So if you have never come to Christ, to this point, today, The Lord reminds you, I made the way for you. I already paid for it. You don't have to pay. You don't have to live a perfect life because you're never going to be able to do it anyway. I already paid the price. I already made the way. Jesus is the truth, the life, the way. He is life. He's the one. He's the way to God. And I know that makes people crazy, but, you know, God kind of has an attitude about the stuff he wants to do. We don't tell God what to do. He tells us what to do. You understand? It's so foolish that my dog will tell me, uh, roof, 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 roof. And in translation, he's saying, well, I want to eat at 4 o'clock. Don't give, and I don't want kibbles and bits. I want steak. And I look at him and says, you dog, me man. You're here for my pleasure. Right? Well, we're here for God's pleasure. He created us. And we're trying to tell God, no, this is what we want, God. It's like the, the, the dog, roof, 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 roof. Shut up. Go back to the doghouse. And that's what many of us do. Meanwhile, when we have to go before God, after our life is over, we'll have to bow the head because at that moment, we'll be so enlightened. We'll see heaven. We'll see the beauty of it. We'll see the grace of it. We'll see the grace of God, the love of God. And we'll know that we rejected His opportunity to us to enter in. He will not be able to say, enter into the joy of your Lord. Because we will have rejected it here when it was the opportune time. 